92.9 FM Philadelphia, WGGTLP, Germantown Community Radio. We are Cue the Mic. And we're back! <laughs> so we're listening, you're listening to Cue the Mic, Cue the Mic, Cue the Mic. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Renee Norris Jones, and I'm going to do it again. She, her, doctor, doctor, it's Dr. Norris Jones. Uh, this is Fox. And I go by she, her, and hers. I'm Griffin. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a student journalist and happy to be here, as always, in our quarantine, extended quarantine edition of Cue the Mic, which may go on for a while. Um, But it's good. We're good. It's all working out great. (laughs) Or so it seems, at least. Um, I'm Sandy Smith. Uh, my day gig is home real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And tonight on the Cue the Mic, we start out with our weekly Why Pronouns Matter segment. Uh, we have a rather interesting rant coming up, and uh, actually it does speak to uh, some of the issues that our special guests this week uh, have. And let's introduce our guests while we are here. Victoria? Hi, my name is Victoria M. Miller. Uh, I am owner and captain of Poor Julia's Motor Yacht. Um, my preferred pronouns are her, she. Don't really like the B word, but probably anything that's, as long as it's feminine. <laughs> and Deanna. Uh, good evening. I'm Deanna Wilborn. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. I'm a professor of computer science at a local community college. I wanted to I wanted to ask Victoria. That's actually really like do you accept captain as a as like a title? Like I think that's honestly really cool. <laughs> well, you know, um yeah. Uh you know, when you when you are in charge of a vessel and you have passengers on it, naturally you are the captain. Um uh when I write correspondence uh to people in referencing my vessel I use captain but it's not like I expect people to call me captain right um, when I'm on my boat and the vessel's in motion then you know I, they, they don't have to call me captain but when it's in a, a in a formal event I'm just starting the charter business and uh, when you address the captain you would just you didn't even have to use his name the last guy I worked for was Captain Rocky Cerullo and you didn't even say Captain Rocky it was Hey, Cap, the reason I started the motor yacht business, which originally was going to be launched in spring, but with COVID, it it pushed it back. So uh, it may get going this year. I may have to wait until next spring. Um, It's a nonprofit organization to benefit LGTB homeless youth. Um, I part-time Uber drive, and I learned through uh, a couple of, uh, students at um, Philadelphia Community College that there is a large population of LGTB homeless youth here in the city between four and six hundred students. Wow. Or kids. And um, coming from a family, my parents back in the 70s started a marching band to keep kids off the streets and off of drugs. And um, when they both passed in 2000, the statement I most commonly heard as there was over 200 people at their funeral was, if it wasn't for your mom and dad, I'd be dead, you know? Wow. 
uh, they really made a mark on on kids. It was all about kids. Their whole lives was about kids. And when I heard about there was that big of a problem, and myself having been homeless, I um, I figured, you know what, I have to find a way to do something about this. As you know, my life got better, and one of my favorite television shows was a show called Below Deck, and it's about people called yachties who work on, on motor yachts, who are stewards and deckhands. And I just acquired uh, a year and a half ago the motor yacht that I currently live on. And I thought, how can I turn this into a profit-making business to donate money to places like the Attic Youth Center and other LGBT community centers here in the city to kind of make homeless trans kids and LGBT kids better to better their lives? That's a that's a wonderful mission. Um, it's and it's it's really interesting the amount of like I the the number of people that have some connection to um i don't know i i feel like the city is so it, like the L, the lgbt community in the city is both like so it's small and intimate and like the number of people that have connected through the community college through various things um also i've i've had many friends that have gone to the attic youth center and so i don't know your your mission your mission sounds wonderful um it's it's definitely something that I've heard a lot of in statistics, but it's it's extra real to hear that, like, you know, I, I can imagine hearing from someone directly that, like, you know, they're going through, you know, homelessness as an LGBT person. It's just, well, you know, that much more impactful. Four years ago, I got very ill, and uh, I went, as a result of it, had to file bankruptcy and became homeless. <laughs> And I lived on a small boat, and then I found out about Uber and became an Uber driver and started doing, I mean, I've done close to 20,000 rides through the city, and I started meeting many people, uh, and I mean, I had this one guy get in my car, and he looked at me, and he just burst into tears, and I said, what's the matter, and he said, I need to do what you did, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. So I said, do you have time now? And I ended his ride, and we went and had coffee, and I spent an hour with him. And I gave him directions of where to go. He didn't never heard of the Zoning Center. And I sent him there for LGBT health care. And, you know, it's happened many times. And it just it goes to show me, you know, they say trans people are 4% of the population, but I think that number is way off. I mean, I, I two years ago moved to Essington, and within a month, I met six trans people living here. Wow. So that, that number's way, way off. And there's also the trans people that are, they don't have a direction. They don't know. They, they're hidden. Um, I, I even had a mother... One of my most memorable rides, I had a young woman in the car ask me um, when I knew I was trans. And I said my first recollection was age six. Uh, I came home from kindergarten and told my mother I was going to be just like Jolene Decker, have long blonde hair, wear pretty dresses. When a child knows that girl, 
that something's wrong, it's wrong. And, you know, when my mother said, oh, no, no, you can't wear dresses. Boys don't do that. You learn quickly, okay, I can't tell anybody that anymore. I have to shut up and keep it inside. And um, I gave her my card and I said, you know, seek help. I gave her the name of the Mazzoni Center. I gave her the name of my therapist. And she says, I have a therapist. I'm going to go talk about it next week. But it's really interesting that I ran into you today, of all people. And she did contact me uh, about three months later. And she said her... And she put it in quotes, her daughter is transitioning socially. So for me, it was just wonderful that I played a little teeny part in a couple people's lives that helped direct. Um, maybe stop that kid from suicide. I attempted suicide two times. Wow. And I mean, when I leave up on the A pillar, when I walk out my motor yacht, on to the right of my door is a noose. That was the noose I tied to hang myself from. And um, um, it's not there as a morbid thing. It's it's there as a reminder to be strong because somebody might hate on me today. And Deanna's story is very similar to mine. Um, most people, most trans women are that, uh, you know, we've had very similar stories. Thank you very much for sharing. It's, it's a very, very powerful story. Thank you. I, it's, it's very nice to hear that you were able to talk to, uh, you know, the mother of a, of, you know, a young trans person or someone who could be, who could have eventually grown up to be trans and helped educate. And it's such a good story. I, I think that's very powerful too, keeping a reminder of of that, like keeping the noose nearby to you because it's like, you know, like with me, I, I kind of do the same thing. I think I ha- kind of have to, but uh, when I tried to, when I tried to commit suicide a couple, a, a long time ago, a couple years ago, I, I have scars from it still and I see them all the time. Physical scars, you're saying? Yes, yes. Okay. On my arms, they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty noticeable, and I really thought for a long time about getting tattoos over them so I couldn't see them anymore. But then I decided that I was going to get tattoo next to it, but keep it there because I wanted to remind myself of where I came from or how how far I came from that place because you know it's not something you're gonna forget. And for some people, it's hard to not, like, think about it all the time. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes it's, it's, it's a good thing to just be like, you know, I got through this thing. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I came from New Jersey. And, and the, the reason I'm, I'm here in Philadelphia, uh, I, when I was suicidal, uh, I was going through a nasty divorce. I was losing things financially. I had to file Chapter 7 bankruptcy. I wound up in ICU for two months over a medical issue. And I just, everything, just my whole life was spiraling out of control that, you know, I lost. I owned a commercial printing and design company for four years. And I was going to end it. I drank two bottles of wine, a half a dozen Percocets, 
uh, I still had my sign crane and I put the boom in the air and lowered the cable down and, and I was, uh, I tied the noose. Uh, you can Google anything, in, including how to tie a noose, you know, and I tied the noose and I was literally walking to my living room to step off my balcony and, and end my life. And the email notifier went off on my iPhone as I was on my way to kill myself. And what what stopped me from killing myself to read an email? I'll never know. But two weeks prior to that, I emailed a marching band here in Philadelphia called the Philadelphia Freedom Band, which is an LGTB marching band. And they picked that. I asked them if they wanted a transgender trumpet player. And their response was, we would love to have you. And it was the word love that really hung on me. And I decided not to kill myself. I can't march anymore because of medical issues. Uh, But, you know, just being part of that organization really helped me through a very difficult time. And that's why I want to do what I want to do now, that I'm um, physically better and mentally better. That's great. That's amazing. That's yeah. yeah. We we need more we need more programs like that for people who are at risk for suicide because it's it's really important. And then I met this wonderful, very beautiful blonde lady as a Facebook friend, and before I knew it, I was driving to Virginia to meet her and. Shortly thereafter, I asked her to marry me. Oh, I want to hear the story. I see it. Oh. So let's uh, Deanna, correct? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Uh, uh, Deanna, so are you from Virginia, that area? Yes, I was born and raised here. I live in southern Virginia. It's very rural. Um, okay. I know maybe two transgender people in the area. Um, okay. It's very, very isolated. Um, so, so almost all of my interaction with trans, the transgender community is online, and that's how I met Victoria, and she's been awesome. Okay. okay. Um, um, so it's it's amazing how the how technology and the internet has brought people together and kind of cross lines. I have several people that I now call friend that I met on. Facebook and usually it was through something. Um, I'm an advocate and a survivor of domestic violence. So a lot of times folks will go, I have a friend of a friend of a friend who's going something and need to talk to Renee. Um, and, you know, as a survivor, I talk to him um, and then friendships blossom. So that that's always really nice. Um, and I just want to go back on something that both Victoria and Fox talked about. I too am a survivor of attempted suicide. Um, Glad it's one of the things that I failed at. Um, and one of the things we did last year for Pride Month, we did, we shared our coming out stories because one of the things that we've learned, and especially for trans youth, is that for every time someone shares a story or encouragement or puts something, something out there like that on that level, it reduces suicide with trans youth up to 30%, which is blows me away um blows me away that's the same statistics too if um that that goes along the lines of like every time you use the correct pronoun and every time someone someone's family member and friends use use the correct pronouns 
Wow. Like Pron- it's pronouns the Trevor Project. Pronouns do mean a lot. And I did a study on misgendering. Uh, with myself, I noticed that people that knew me prior to transition misgender me or use the improper pronoun about 45% more than people who only know me as Vicky. Um, where when somebody is trying to be mean to you, they'll, okay. they'll purposely misgender you. Wow. Um, now, in, in the trans community, there's a thing called, and that's from my nose to my chin and both sides of my mouth. That looks more masculine on my face than it does on a natal female's face. So your subconscious picks up on that. Your subconscious picks up on my other male cues, like my voice or my hands or something like that. And we'll we'll do it by mistake because those subconscious cues are cueing their brain into thinking that person you're talking to is a male. Yeah, it, it happened in traffic court where a judge misgendered me and my response back to them, him was using a a female pronoun for him. I said, yes, ma'am. He looked at me and said, ma'am. I said, well, you called me sir. So I thought we were swapping gender pronouns. And that last part got cut out. The last five words, maybe. He so thought, I said to him, I thought he was swapping gender pronouns for a minute. Right, right, right. Because you called the he judge. He called ma'am. me sir, and I called him ma'am. Ah, okay. What did he do? So he turned to the court clerk and said, I did. And she confirmed he did. And he apologized. Wow. So I explained to him why he did what he did. By seeing the male quadrant and hearing my voice and he said i will be that more careful in the future thank you for pointing it out to me that's a beautiful thing so some people do it out of mistake but i recently had an interaction at a hospital when i was going in for surgery where a nurse not twice not three times but five times So it happened with the nurse? Yes. And she kept getting more obstinate every time. And and she she did it five times? Yeah. And and she was corrected by my friend every time she did it. Yeah. That's flat out hatred. When I did transition and and my family, I noticed family members uh, will... When they're talking to you and they're not mad at you, they will use my female name and use female pronouns. But if they're being argumentative, um, they'll purposely misgender you. And they'll say something to the effect like, you're just a dumb tranny. And Whoa. Yeah. And what's interesting, and Renee, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Richard Pryor, the comedian. Yes, of course. Love Richard Pryor. Okay. Now, Richard Pryor actually did a skit about this. And he would tell, he the way the story went, he would be in an argument with a white guy and he'd 
He'd have him boxed in the corner, and he knew he was right, and the white guy had nowhere to go. And finally, he comes out. The white, the white guy will say, say, you know, said to the black person, well, you're just a dumb and use the N-word, you know, rather than admit right. to being wrong. Right, exactly. Well, the same thing happens to trans people. You're just a dumb tranny, you know, and it, it, it is pretty sad. The lowest blow. To, right, they have to stoop to that level because they have no other ammunition at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you know, and I was just going to go to something. Um, in your bio, you describe yourself as a trans female lesbian. Um, Sandy Griffin and I belong to the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association. Did I mess that up, guys? No, no you, you got, got it that right. Yeah. So when we were planning that, and we were getting bios for folks that were going to speak someone who was a transgender person and I don't remember I do not remember whether it was a male or female they gave their bio and I don't remember the the word that they used um I don't think it was tranny it was something and the question I got on the bio was is that how they described themselves and my answer was yes so we're very mindful of how people want to be identified and how they're addressed um, I am by no means a, you know, professional. I knew everything, but I did notice that you called yourself a trans female lesbian. Um, well, yeah, that's to, something to the majority of transgender women. Um, the term tranny is a negative thing. Some, okay. some people use it. Uh, I joke with people and say, yeah, the tranny is a thing between the engine and your drive shaft of your car. That's, That's how I know it. That's why I always, every time I hear it, I'm just like, this is such a, okay. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it's just, it's a slang term. Um, and I've, it's I've heard like, it described as like a slur, you know, like. Well, exactly. It's, yeah. it's just like shim or she male. Um, that's right. a disgusting derogatory term as well. Um, right. So I've, I, I've heard trans woman and trans man. I've never heard trans female lesbian. It doesn't mean that it's not out there. It just, I, I'm hearing it for the first time. Yeah, well, it's, that's just, for me, that's a descriptor to let people know. You know, it's, when I transition, people are like, well, now that you're a girl, you're going to go date guys? And that's like, to me, saying, well, now that you're a girl, you no longer like vanilla ice cream. You've got to switch to rum raisin because you're a girl right. You know, it, right. it, it doesn't work that way. It reminds me of right. a gas queue we had that where someone was like, um, someone said to a trans woman, like, if who is also a lesbian, they were like, oh, well, why didn't you just stay? Why didn't you just stay a uh, man and stay straight? And I was just like, because that's not the point. People ask such stupid questions. Well, the, and, and you know, it's, as an Uber driver and having many people in my car, I'm amazed at the fact that people will just say to you, so did you get it cut off yet? You know, it's just Jesus. So repulsive. <laughs> people just come flat oh out. My God. I like me and Naima were talking about this when she was on, but we were like, anytime someone asks a 
a trans person or a trans friend of mine a question like that, we're just like, and she was saying she does this, just flip it back to them and let them hear how absurd it is. Just be like, ask them, be like, what is in your pants? And they're going to well, get uncomfortable. To women. So how's your vagina today? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Why are you getting uncomfortable? Well, you exactly. just asked me that. Exactly. And, and I'm actually yeah. going to flip that question back to Deanna. Are you, uh, how do you describe yourself? I'm, I'm a transgender woman. Okay. Okay. It's simple. And, and um, Victoria mentioned that you had a, a similar story. Uh, what, what is your story, Deanna? Well, for, I've known most of my life that something was different. Okay. Um, being in southern rural Virginia without access to modern culture, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I didn't know that there were other possibilities along a spectrum of possibilities for identity and until later. And it was much later. I was in my uh, 20s before I realized that, you know, things haven't seemed right for quite some time. And there may be – I'm now exposed to other possibilities. And um, in 2005, I actually started uh, with my transition from an internal point of view. Nobody would know because everything was done um, that, that was internal to me, nothing, nothing to do, no social uh, outward appearance. I mean, you know, and for example, I shaved my legs, and, I, and which I don't have much hair anyway, but I shaved my legs and I shaved my arms and, and things like that. And I've never been able to have any facial hair of any kind. And um, so, you know, those are all uh, just things that I'd, I'd always, I always felt strongly against facial hair. So um, it didn't make much sense to me at the time, but now it makes all the sense in the world. And um, in 2017, I actually. In 2016, I actually made the decision. I decided something way wrong with it had been going on. And I made a decision I was going to change my life. And I wasn't sure how yet. And um, so I started growing my hair out. It was the first thing I did. And a year into uh, growing my hair out, I had started, um, I had really um, identified that direction to transition to female. And then so I started looking for resources. And the resources were very scarce here in this area of rural southern Virginia. And so, of course, I use the internet. I'm a computer scientist, so, you know, computers are no big deal. I mean, I, I can work with them. And um, so I started researching, and I found resources, and I found Google groups that, I mean, Facebook groups that made sense. And um, and I observed and learned, uh, and um, I actually got in contact with a, a counselor that specializes in transgender issues. They were an hour away in another town, um, and there were none local, and so I was able to um, meet with them and, on a regular basis and actually pursue what was going on, which is really cool uh, because we were able to identify that, yes, that was the, the path that I appeared to be on. And through them, I was able to identify in their area, epidemiolo not epidemiologists, um, endocrinologists um, that specialize in trans care. And so – because there's none in this area in Virginia. It's, it's just, it's just bur uh, bland, uh, barren of, uh, of that kind of technology or knowledge. And um, uh, so I went down to North Carolina, and North Carolina has specialists in a lot of different fields, and I was able to start that process. And I was actually, I was actually in the process of transitioning before anyone ever knew, and I, I had – I had, I had a place at the coast, and it was just basically about 235 miles from where I live, and 
I would go there and live as the woman I am. But when I came back, I'd come back at night so people couldn't tell me, see, see me, and I would transit, I would change into the person's other person's clothes, and that's the way it felt. It felt like someone else's clothes, and so that went on for almost a year. And then someone outed me to my father, and um, I thought I was dead. I, I really thought that he would kill me because he wouldn't understand, and he still doesn't understand. And how, says, and how old were you when that happened? You said someone outed you to your father. Oh, well, I'm in my fifties. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my 50s when someone outed me to my father. Okay. And so I was afraid for my life. So I set up a um, I set up a um, a friend of mine came over to my house with me, and my house is next to, to my father's house. And I said, "Here's the deal. Every 15 minutes, you're going to send this text code to me. I'm going to respond to you with a specific text code back. It was a cipher system that you can't guess because uh, I just made it up on the fly, and I would never use it but once." And so I said, if you don't hear back within five minutes of sending that text, then you should call 911 and say that you need to have an emergency wellness check because something's gone wrong. But um, my dad confronted me about it. He, my dad is very strange when it comes. I think it's strange. Maybe it's just his generation. He had to have his one of his private talks with me, and I hate those things because you never know what it's about. I had some suspicion this time because I had just got back from the coast. And I went over there, and uh, – he says, I've heard that people are calling you D and or Deanna and you're dressing as a woman and all this stuff. I said, I said, Dad, it's absolutely 100 percent true. <laughs> it's all there. It's totally true. In fact, uh, I'm not going to be the other person uh, anymore. Uh, and once once my father discovered or had found out and he probably was upset that I didn't tell him myself. But I was having a hard time trying to figure out how to tell him without getting killed. And uh, my dad's been actually he's been very supportive. So it's, it's actually worked out really well. But once my dad knew, all the bets were off on everything else. I never socially wore anyone else's clothes. I only wore my clothes. And I had, at work, I still was the other person. And so uh, within two months of my dad finding out, and I'd been on hormones for quite some time. I said, you know, I, I told I met with the management team. I was part of the executive team. I said, you know, um, I'm going through some changes. <laughs> this is a funny thing. They said, well, we noticed. I said, I said, you see my hair is long and you see my nails are long and sometimes they're painted. And see, I wasn't hiding that stuff. I was just wearing a suit or whatever or khakis and a, and a polo. And uh, they said, yeah, we'd noticed. We figured you were going through your rock band stage again. <laughs> I said, hey, that's a good idea because <laughs> I would like to started the rock. But no, I said I said I said actually I've been on hormone replacement therapy for some time now and things are changing in my body and on my body that I cannot hide any further. So I'm telling you right now that I'm transgender and I'm gonna start living my wife my life as Deanna full time. And so they had me develop they said can you develop a transition plan for the company? And I thought about it. And I did. I figured out how to, it took about it was three pages long. It took it identified how do we notify our customers? Because I'm an executive. How do we notify the employees? How do we make sure all the right protections are in place? We addressed all those things. And um, I thought it might be a good idea for the basis of a book at some point. I haven't had much time to work on that idea, but um, so it took it took um, about four months. Um, we developed our plan. We improved our bathroom um, policies and safety and security. We actually put, we didn't have, um, we didn't have um, 
privacy locks on the main door. They were multi they were multi-use bathrooms. But we decided we're such a small company, we had about 20 employees that we didn't really need to have a multi-use restroom, so we put privacy locks on it. For anybody that wanted to use them. Well, it turns out most people like privacy locks. <laughs> so um so we did that we did that several months in advance so that it would lessen I mean, people in retrospect could figure out, hey, that was done because of Deanna. But in retrospect, they all benefited from it. And then the next things we did were um, identify our company policies to make sure they were properly um, uh, properly addressed diversity. And then we got our company attorney involved. Uh, we saw, we had an outsourced attorney, uh, did our corporate uh, employee handbook and things like that. And they thought we had one of the best handbooks that you could have for a company as small as we were to, to recognize diversity. And so – on, the the primary requirement from the company was, hey, before we tell the whole world, let's um, get your legal paperwork done. And so I had my name actually changed so that it showed up on the payroll correctly. Payroll correctly. And um, once I had my name changed, we had a meeting two weeks later where the company attorney came down and spoke on behalf of the company and on behalf of our diversity policy. And since that day, it was August 24th, 2018. I've lived full time as the as the woman I am, and I love it. I mean, I love it. A lot of things have changed in that year and a half, but uh, I'm no longer with that company. For example, I'm now a professor at a local community college, and I'm looking to do teaching in the Philadelphia area um, as I as I make my way to be with Victoria. That sounds like an amazing book. You should absolutely work on it. Work on a book. I would read that 100. percent I'm sure a lot of our listeners would really appreciate it, too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, You both have shared so much. And one of the things that we were talking about when we were planning the show um, is so, so we always have this topic that why pronouns matter, and then we do a gas cue. So one of my thoughts, and I'm going, if I'm thinking this, then other people are thinking this. So... How do you congratulate? You are two trans women who were getting married, correct? That's correct. All right. Now, if I say something wrong, please correct me. Okay. Um, okay. What does the so you're both fiancés, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. And, and I'm asking this because a number of years ago, when I was with my long-term ex, at some point, you know, we we talked about being, getting married, and she didn't like the word getting married she didn't want to have you know we have to have a commitment ceremony because that's for them it wasn't that deep for me i just wanted to get married at the beach um but so my question became will there be a bridal shower is that something that you're looking at do you want something traditional do you want something that's different and i'm sure have you gotten these questions i mean i'm sure it's something that other folks have talked about but i wanted to give you an opportunity to speak about it I'm not sure if you guys, I'm sure you probably guys have already talked about it amongst yourself, or maybe you haven't thought about what, what can we share with the world with how you want to deal with being engaged? Well, we, we, Deanna and I have actually never talked about a bridal shower. Uh, Okay. Our gown styles. I with her where I would like to get married. Uh, and and things like that, but we we haven't set a definitive plan. And if we did a bridal shower, I would want it as a traditional bridal shower, but both of us would be there. We're both brides. Yes. Right. Okay. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to this stuff. What is a bridal shower? What is a bridal shower? 
it's it's kind of like a baby shower, correct? Where there's some silly hat or something, right? Or is or the big, the bridal shower is lingerie? They bring you some presents and things like that. I mean, I've never been to one, so I don't. I, I kind of remember silly hats being with both of them, the baby shower and the bridal shower, where they use the gift wrap and they make some silly hat. Could be dating well, us. The baby thing ain't happening. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> is, that the thing, is that the thing where straight, like a lot of straight women will have their parties and they have like little, little penises on sticks and stuff and like weird little. That's a bachelorette party. Uh, Red party. Or like gummies. Yeah, that's a that's, that. Yeah, I was so weird. Yeah, I it's as someone who is so far removed from all this stuff, it all seems very alien to me yeah, as well. I agree. I both the world of the world of getting married and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> right. So, and that's what my my question went to. So it wasn't necessarily. So I'm assuming the kids are out of the question because we're all. You're, I think we're in the same, almost in the same generation. Well, I'm 61. Deanna's 62 50. here. Yep, 62. Yeah, no kidding. 54, you know, so, you know, I'm her cougar. But, um, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, nice. <laughs> it, it is kind of funny because, like, we were friends on Facebook, and I just commented on how pretty she was. And I, I thought she was way younger than me. And I said to her, I love visually impaired people. Um, she said I was pretty. So, you know, and it just, we both had a sense of humor. And it, it's, you know, we have similar hobbies. Uh, we're both musicians. Um, we both have a common radio hobby called amateur radio or ham radio. Um, the ham radio? Yeah. Ham, yeah. Not, I've not heard that phrase in a long time. Ham radio operator. Right. So, yes, my my ham radio call sign is KC2JAR, or phonetically pronounced Kilo Charlie 2 Juliet Alpha Romeo. And what's yours, Deanna? Mine's Alpha Delta 4, Alpha X-Ray, 84AX. So, uh, you know, and her license, she's, she's an extra cast license. I'm a technician class license, which gives her more frequency privileges than me and she has more knowledge than me but it's uh it's it's a common hobby we had so much in common being musicians radio operators and um we boat lovers you lovers and uh, boat lovers boat boat <laughs> boat water yeah <laughs> into boating i love I, you know i grew up on boats so it was it just everything worked that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. I I hope it goes beautifully. I know it will. So have you thought about the actual ceremony itself? Well, neither one of us are particularly religious. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I like uh, I like the beach or the shore. We we both like boats. So I mean Whatever we decide to do, we haven't really planned it all out yet, you know? Yeah, once we're past that hurdle, and of course we get past the pandemic, it's not going to be a long engagement, I, I, I can't, ima can't imagine, but 
Yeah, my, my primary concern, oh, my primary interest in the wedding, of course, is getting married to Victoria. She's a wonderful person. I love her. And um, but we we have talked about writing our own vowels, and very that's nice. very important. That's very important to me. I, I like to I like to write creatively, creatively, uh, even though I like to write scientific papers as well. But uh, creative creative writing, and you know, even you know, it comes from the musician side of me, I guess. But I think we can say what we want to say to each other in such a way that it just reaffirms everything that we discovered about each other in the in the past few months, and um, and that we continue to learn about each other on a really on a daily basis. We talk every day. It's, you know, people ask me, isn't a long-term relation, I mean, a long-distance relationship difficult? And I say, well, of course it is. I said, I never imagined myself being in one, but finding Victoria, or actually she found me, and uh, and having all these things in common and understanding the transgender community together, um, it's just, it seems like the right mix. And for me, that has made a long-distance relationship very possible. And we talk almost, I think we talk every day, and I think we've talked every day via uh, FaceTime, uh, it, it, at least once, and sometimes two to three times a day. So um, I want to write. I want. I want us to write our own vowels, and I'm happy with a non-traditional beach wedding with a or boat wedding. Um, a non-religious. I'm not very religious myself, and um, I'm a scientist, so you know I like evidence. So you know <laughs> I just leave it at that. Evidence-based research. I, I do evidence-based everything. So. Um, but, you know, I'm very excited about it. And we've talked about it. And, and of course, Victoria reminds me on a regular basis that we need to be planning it. <laughs> yeah. so, and so I actually have put together a note, a shared note that we have that we can put in details about who we want to attend um, and those kind of things. And I'm hoping that, as she mentioned, the COVID-19 thing, as soon as we work through this part of the pandemic and hopefully get some um, some clarity on our future uh, as a, as you know, as a, as a society, not just as for me and her, but where are we going to go with society uh, related to the pandemic? Hopefully, we'll get a, we'll figure out how to how to create a vaccine for it. Um, but I think that's that's been a real showstopper. In fact, all my classes for the rest of the year have been moved online. And so, where I was teaching in a classroom, I'm now teaching using Zoom, and it's going to be that way through the end of 2020. So, which yeah. means I can go, which means I can move to Pennsylvania because I can teach from there just as easy as I can teach from here in, in Virginia. Wow, I had yeah, an unexpected side effect. Yeah, that had not occurred to me. Being a being a student, yep, all my classes are online at least through the fall. I that it, totally did not occur to me that it it allows for greater mobility. The pandemic benefited her. It hasn't affected my life one way or another because uh, I have a steady income from a pension, and I. I do Uber drive, but I stopped Uber driving for for the last two weeks because I want to make sure that I'm not carrying it when she comes up and I'm taking the summer off. So I'm not very nice. I'm not going to work and and I'm working on the final restorations of my motor yacht um, for both to get the charter business going, but um, to also make it more, you know, comfortable for the two of us, you know. As you can imagine, I'm sure the wardrobe of two women together uh, is is just kind of monumental. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be so awesome. I would love love to have a whole other wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the only problem is she's she's about six inches shorter than me, so you know <laughs> her her regular skirts, which she likes them short, become micro minis to me. So. <laughs> 
That happened to me kind of with my with my one ex girlfriend. Like we were pretty much the same size, so we could like share pants. But then when it came to like the upper chest area, I have like really big boobs, and she did not. So like every time I try to wear her shirts, I would just like stretch out the chest part, and she gets so mad at me. <laughs> well, it's it's funny when we are together. At, like she takes about one quarter of the time to get dressed than I do. I'm a total glammy whore with fake eyelashes and everything and highlighter and eyeliner and all that. So it's like, yeah, I'm in the shower first. I come out and I'm doing hair and makeup and she comes out 15 minutes later and she's like, yeah, I'm done. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll be a little while, babe. That's awesome. <laughs> Always me too. You know what? It, and it's 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 become less of a long distance relationship where it's just the pandemic. I mean, even if you guys were commuting back and forth, because how how long is the ride to Virginia? Uh, I'll be, uh, it's six and a half hours. But here's the thing, oh. Victoria. Victoria reminded me about this uh, the other day. We were talking, and she said, "You know, as transgender people, we're used to being isolated." And, and she is absolutely right. I've been in this house of mine for months now, two months at least. And so what? <laughs> you know, it doesn't bother me any. I don't miss going anywhere. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I really don't. Because I didn't have, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't uh, have friends that visit me. Um, my dad would like for me to visit him, but, and he lives next door. So, but I, I've been trying to social distance from my parents as, as well because they are elderly and they, are less inclined to social distance. And, and so I don't want to be infected by them or if I go out and get groceries or whatever, cause them to have a problem. So I wave, you know, uh, but, but, we, but as transgender people, we are so isolated from the, from society for the most part, the pandemic, as far as an isolation point of view, hasn't changed anything for me. And I thought it was a, it was a brilliant observation by Victoria. And so she yeah. gets full credit for that. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting one. I, it's, and it's, it's kind of relatable. Um, when, when I was in, when I first started having feelings of knowing that I was trans, I was um, in my senior year of high school and I was so depressed and so filled with like this, this self-loathing because I didn't, I didn't know anything that I, I didn't want to go outside. I started, you know, just refusing to go to school because I didn't want anyone to see me to look at me and you know I, I spent I spent months indoors and it was only like you know I ended up I ended up dropping out of my high school because I was so for I mean there were other things going on but realizing that I was that I was trans and that I was non-binary was it was a really really big factor in that well um, we're, we're almost forced to be socially isolated and even if you do have a few friends, um, I sometimes think we become the token gay friend or the token trans friend, you know, that right. you know, they, they might go out to dinner with us somewhere or they might have us somewhere else, but we will very rarely be invited to a family function right? or a thing where their families are, you know what I mean? It's, 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 you don't like if there's a wedding, you know, um, we won't get invited to that, but if they're having a barbecue in the backyard, that's yeah. 
I my my experience was probably a bit better overall because I went to a I went to an arts high school where there was a large gay population of of young people anyway, um, and so my best friends love them to bits. They're all wonderful, accepting, totally understood. Um, but yeah, it 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 took me a long time to feel courageous enough to see them again because I was so. It, it, I realized it was just a me thing, you know. It, you know, people it people don't know. People barely notice you. Period. <laughs> you know, like you know, usually, right? We we judge ourselves far more than a lot of other people do. Nine times out of ten, um, and I I had to wrap my head around that. Out of all my male friends, and, and one of my hobbies, being a dive master, I I used to do a lot of what's called deep decompression scuba diving. We would dive on shipwrecks. Very deep wow. in 130, 140 feet. I've been down as deep as 210 feet. And that's a very male-dominated, domi- manly man sport. So, oh my God, I, I hate to be stuck a billion leagues underwater with a bunch of dudes. Right. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Oh my gosh. You, you rely on those other men to save your life in the event of something bad happening, you know? And out of all my diver friends that were on my Facebook feed, there's one left. And uh, it was funny because when I started my new Facebook page after I transitioned, um, Al, my my friend Al did a search looking for Bob Miller in Turnersville, and my old mail email address is still associated to my Facebook account. Oh, so wow. my name popped up and he thought I was Bob Miller's wife, but here <laughs> I was Bob Miller. <laughs> so right. I wow. got an email that said, are you related to Bob Miller? He's one of my old diving buddies. I need to get in touch with him. And, and you responded, Hey buddy, what's up? It's me. <laughs> right. I said, I was Bob. And, yeah. um, and, the response was, hey, cool, I'm having some parties at my house. You know, do you want to come over? It was not like, holy crap or anything like that. It wasn't holy, you know. And, you know, when I walked in and see them, this big burly guy put his arms around me and hugs me like a man hugs a woman. Not, not the bro hug, not the guy thing. You know what I mean? That's and, really sweet. Yeah, and I, I, I actually, you know, when I got engaged to Deanna, I asked Al to walk me down the aisle because that was just so, to have a man treat me that way and acknowledge right. me right. is is just priceless. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, um, I almost said you guys, are you okay with the phrase you guys? Yeah, I mean, that doesn't, because you're not, to me. I hate that I also I, use that as a collective term for people. Yeah. yeah. I've started to say y'all more. The two of you are going to. We use y'all a, a lot more. <laughs> yeah. The, the two of you are going to inspire so many people. What does that look and feel like to you? Or, or, or has that crossed your mind? I, I hope it just eases somebody's mind or somebody's tension. Yes. You know, because um, when I went through my divorce in 
Gloucester County, New Jersey, which is all conservative Republican judges, uh, I transitioned in the middle of my divorce, which is absolutely the worst time in the world to do it. Wow. Yeah. And the judge took my kids away from me because I'm trans. So I lost my children just because of what I came out to be. Wow. Shame on that judge. Shame on them. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's... Deanna's story's different. She has a better relationship with her children. No, that's changed, baby. That hasn't changed. My children... A little bit better, I should say. <laughs> What's that? My, uh, my children don't speak to me. and my, But... Uh, I've adopted new children. <laughs> I have new friends. My sisters and my father and my mother and all my aunts and uncles are seem to be all on board and cousins. It's really interesting that everybody in my family, except for my immediate children, um, have a have an open mind about it. And I never taught my children about bigotry or closed mindedness and not to think about diversity. So I'm not sure how they've learned that lesson or, or which is not really a lesson it's poor examples i don't know how they've adapted those but um anyway there may be hope for that at some point in the future I, i'm not worried about that i have like i said i have new friends i have I've, i have adopted sisters now i mean i mean i've gotten I've, i have better relationships now with my sisters than i ever had and i have two sisters and um it, it's just awesome it's awesome. So the children, missing the children, yes, that's true. But, you know, it's not going to stop me from going forward. And you asked me if I thought that – you asked us if we thought – I'd never thought that this might inspire others. But I hope that it does. I mean that's a good – that would be an out, a good outcome is to help people see that, hey, there really is hope for things to get better. And and meeting Victoria really changed my life. I mean it's, it has really changed my life in a positive way. Now, there are lots of negative things that's happened as being transgender. You know, I lost my job and um, – and, and a lot of other things happened to me financially that are, are pretty bad because I used to, I, I started I, I was one of the startup employees for a major not, not a major but a regional communications company in um, in this area so uh, that's why I was an executive person at that company but um, all that's gone and you know I had been working on an advanced education in computer science and so now uh, I'm doing what I really want to do which is teach and uh, believe it or not I have never had any of my students use the wrong pronouns they wow. all they're it's it's amazing it's just totally amazing i i thought it would be pretty bad but i have never had any student uh do that to me so it's very nice it's 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 so bizarre to me i it, you know coming you know from before before i knew i was part of the lgbt community to after you know i've i've you know become become aware of myself you know it's it it really is striking just how much you don't you don't know how the the people that care about you are going to react like it you know it's it, it's it's i oh, oh my god i i it is so anxiety provoking to tell people that have known you when you since you were a small child you know that you're different different than what they thought um you know my 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 parents are accepting of me but they struggle using they them pronouns um my my grandmother outright told me that she's not going to use they them pronouns because she doesn't want to embarrass herself in front of her friends which is 
that was really crushing to me. Um, but yeah. it's just sad. Yeah, yeah, that that part of it is is really sad. Um, my story with my with my former wife is um, a lot different than most trans people. Uh, how I met her, she worked for me. Um, I hired her to assemble books in my printing and sign business, and those books were about the trans community. Um, they were they were for a publisher out of King of Prussia, um, who's no longer in business. But uh, and she she as she was putting the books together during break, she would read the books and she got interested in the LGTB community. And these books were about um, how to how to dress and walk and talk like a woman and, and you know, the actual transitional procedure, how to, you know do this and do that and how to make things look better. Um, okay, now my, my wife was, she was looking at the pictures in the book and she said, she thought she was making a joke and she said to me, you know, you should try this. You would look cute in a dress. So I flipped the page over and I pointed to my picture in the book and I said, yes, I do, don't I? Um, I, I took her around the other side of my office and I opened up of my private closet and I showed her all the dresses and my hair and shoes and everything like that. And she was, she was intrigued by it. And did I want to become a woman? And at that point in my life, I didn't. Um, But, you know, we had problems in our marriage that were no different than any other marriage. You were having problems in the marriage before before I transitioned and um, I left her, I moved into the apartment above my office and she served me with divorce papers. And then after that is when I got sick and wound up in the hospital. Yeah, I got, I got sick with a complication uh, of diabetes called gastric paresis. And I was found in my uh, in front of my office in a puddle of vomit in a diabetic coma, and on wow. the way to the hospital, I had a heart attack. Wow! So, uh, and there was a chance I wasn't going to make it out of the hospital. You know, it, it's there's different things that force us to face our truth. Sometimes they're traumas, and I just looked at it as you know if. I was going to die. At least the right name would be on my tombstone. So that's when I downloaded name change papers when I was laying in ICU. Wow. Yeah, I get. I that's that's good motivation. Yeah, and and you know, um, you know, when I got close to Diana and I started, we started conversing back and forth, and I went down to sleep for a little while and then she came back up she came up here uh it it never felt so right with somebody like um it just everything just seemed to fall into place you know she you know we can talk we you know and and yeah i mean you know there's a lot of estrogen flying around but you know we can talk you know, and um, 
No, I, I got moody with her the other day because I was frustrated because I, I still have some lingering effects from my diabetes and some health issues. And my brain says I'm 18, but my body says I'm 61. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. You guys have been so inspirational. Um I'm I'm sure you are going to make a huge impact. This so um, Victoria and I have chatted over Facebook through mutual friends and talked about coming on the show. And when I heard, and I think we talked about se- several topics, topics that maybe you were you were both of us were passionate about. Talked about coming on the show, and when I heard that she was engaged, and I'm not on Facebook that much, but pretty much whatever when I go on. Whatever's kind of going through, you know, my feed as I'm going on there, I, you know, I, I see it and I saw that she was engaged and I said, wow, this would be a beautiful topic. It would be a beautiful message. I asked her whether Deanna would be interested in coming on. I think it's something that is um, something that can bring a lot of insight. It can bring a lot of education. Um, it can inspire people. It, it can motivate people. So two quick questions, and then um, we're going to wrap up just so that we can be mindful of your time. I know that we've already gone over um, time, but do you ha- have you discussed any obstacles that are going to be in the way from the wedding to the cake to the gowns to family and friends invitations? You know, there's usually stress involved with weddings. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, you know, it was funny. I... Uh, when I went down to meet her father for the first time, um, we went out to dinner and we went out to dinner and then afterward we were sitting around having a few cocktails and I wanted to do the traditional step of asking her father for her hand in marriage. And, and I told Deanna I wanted to do this, and she was like, I don't know how good that was going to go. But her, you know, it was interesting because he, um, I wanted to do the traditional thing of asking her father for her hand in marriage. And I knew I needed to meet her father on a common ground. Now, he restores old cars, and I used to do that as a kid. So... You had common things to talk about. Right. Now, of course, him being a Southern man uh, and he is on the right. And obviously us, the two of us are on the left. Um, You know, we had to dance that dance pretty well. But uh, I dodged that bullet pretty good. But when, when I asked her father for her hand in marriage, he got emotional. He got emotional. He got very emotional. He started to tear up. And that that told me that, you know, he's okay. He's okay with this. And, and Deanna, when, when um, Victoria said she wanted to ask your dad for your hand in marriage, how did that make you feel? Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was interesting. I thought, I thought it would be interesting how it turned out. It actually turned out incredibly well. I was so happy that things went as well as they did. And I'm very proud of my father uh, for having come through, you know, coming through the transition. I learned later in transition that when you transition, 
you don't transition just by yourself. The world around you transitions too. And and I think that's an important lesson that we should learn, even even if you're considering transitioning, that hey, the world around you is going to transition with you. And it's so it's not trivial. It's it's not trivial at all. So I was really proud of my father for for his his reaction, how the whole thing went. Uh, it was stressful for me, uh, but uh, we made it through it. <laughs> we made it through A it. little alcohol helped, but we, <laughs> we made it through it. So it was a totally wonderful experience. And so Victoria has brought out, uh, she has shown, you know, what real love is all about. And, and she's brought my father and I closer together than we were before. So I, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Well, you know what? I would love to go on, but we're going to stop here because we're over. We want to be mindful of your time. Um, and we did talk about this before the show. I said these two beautiful women are going to get married. I really want to make sure that we're getting the story right, that we're asking the questions. And as a team, we talked about it. And, you know, questions were raised. Well, are we going to be too personal? Are we going to be too pushy? And it wasn't about being personal or pushy, but it's making sure that your story your wishes, your preferences, get out there with how you want your marriage to be. And you're saying you want a traditional, um, you know, and, and just like anything else, people, my ex didn't want to, she didn't want to call it marriage. She wanted a ceremony. I wanted a beach wedding. She was in, in desert storm. She was just like, I'm not trying to see no, I'm not trying to see sand until she realized that the beach can be a beautiful thing. But um, it sounds like it's the same story, like anything else in the LGBTQ I the only, the only difference is she wants a short dress. I went along one. That's about it. Yes, yes, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, we're going to move on to our. You know what? It's been a. I thank you guys for coming on. We're definitely going to have to check in with you and get you guys on again. Um, yeah, we'd love we'd love to have you in the in the studio to avoid these technical problems i think that yeah. would be that would be wonderful when yes. all the when the virus is over we would love to have you guys in the studio oh thank you thank you thank you so we're going to move on fox do you have a gas cue for us i do um so sometimes these can range from being really offensive to really funny like my favorite one will always now be um oh god what was the one we got like two weeks ago it was the one. It was the one where uh, a lady wore like masculine clothes or something, and her oh, yeah. and oh, her yeah. was it her mother or her aunt or like, someone? Are you are you one of those weird gender people? You're not one of those weird gender people, are you? I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but it did. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they're really offensive. Sometimes hysterical. They don't make any sense, and sometimes they seem really basic to us, but. Apparently, to these people, it's a very complicated question to them. But so Some one of the ones confused today what the difference between gender is in your sexual identity is. I mean, or your anatomical <laughs> sex. I mean, I've yeah. always told people stop having gender reveal parties. Call them genital reveal parties because yeah, honestly, yeah, it is to that kid. Yeah. <sighs> Oh my God, that would, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that kind of reveals just how silly the whole thing is, doesn't it? Like, it's, you know, if that's honestly what the party is. Apparently people can't do it without destroying a local forest. But, um, so one of the ones that I pulled online was someone said, trans, you mean you want to be like those people in the Drag Race show? Oh God. 
that that was yeah. okay. when people confusing transvestite with transgender. Well, confusing drag kings and queens with trans people, which I, I, you know sometimes they you know now, they can be drag kings and queens. Sometimes they're not. It's you know. I've had people get in my car and say, "Oh, are you a drag queen or or what?" Like you know, or you know, people are really. Some people are respectful when they ask questions, and some people are just repulsive when they ask questions. You know, you can usually tell by their tone too, like if they're if they're yeah. like genuinely con- or confused, or if they're just like. I feel like that's also like one of the downsides of having like the most like visible like queer media be RuPaul's Drag Race. Like yeah, like yeah, like you know RuPaul's Drag Race sure has like gotten you know done. I think I think you know some good definitely, but like I, I can see that as a definite like. Th- th- so this is what people think the LGBT community is like. This really overblown like. Exactly. Well, it's like people not being able to wrap their heads around drag kings and queens not having to be trans to do it. It's like, they, it's like some people just can't seem to wrap their head around. It's like, oh, this is just a lesbian doing drag, or this is a gay person doing drag, or this is a straight person doing drag, or this is a trans or gender fluid. But like, they just like can't seem to wrap their head around the fact that like you don't have to be trans to do drag, which is weird to me. Yeah. Well, the thing I think, but, but, but that's also why we do this segment is to make sure that we're answering those questions that are sometimes from a good place and sometimes they're just they're from ignorance and ignorance you know can go two ways the textbook ignorance of not knowing and then sometimes it's just um you know the ignorant the ugly well i think i think that uh interesting thing to me about uh drag queens and kings is that it's entertainment it's not living your life as who you are it's entertainment at best and it's often over the top entertainment but the the sad part is is that as a transgender woman you know we can often be pigeonholed into that form of entertainment without people truly understanding what's actually going on and so from that point of view uh you know drag queens and kings takes away from the transgender community in that respect and so i don't participate in that stuff i don't i mean the way i look at it is before transition i cross-dressed most of my life i'm done with that stage in my life <laughs> it wasn't even good entertainment <laughs> so you know no reason to go back and so uh, <laughs> so I, you know to me it has no other than entertainment value to me it has no uh, I don't know that it has a significant value to me as a trans person. It, it, it seems to me to take more away from us than it does um, provide help because I don't like being compared to somebody who's doing entertainment. I'm not, I'm not that person. I mean, I, when I entertain, I play rock and roll music. So I, I, I don't, I don't really, it, you know, and then it doesn't really matter how you dress. <laughs> you know? or, well, it does if you're Mick Jagger, I guess. Right. Yeah. Oh, is he still alive? <laughs> Can I say that? I hope so. <laughs> Well, you know, this is an excellent conversation when we have you guys back on is because I'm, I'm hearing this and I, I have a couple thoughts about it. I mean, first, you think about RuPaul and you go, OK, well, at least it's getting knowledge out there. But if it's misinformation and if it's offensive to people, then that's a whole nother conversation. So we're definitely going to have to have you guys back on for that. So um, are we ready for Newsworthy or not? Yeah, let's hit it. Um, have we explained it? Right. So, who's worthy or not is our attempt to cover some of the headlines, what's happening in the world that we don't have time for. It's a speed round. Um, so, you basically want to say the first word or two words, 
FCC approved, of course, um, that come to mind. And again, it's just some some headlines that we have not covered just because of time. So are we ready? A, a quick reaction to a news story. There we go. Um, face masks for Amtrak riders. Um, Amtrak said on Thursday it would soon require customers to cover their faces at station trains and buses. That's good. This is a big surprise? Well, I'm, I'm surprised that it's just now happening. A bit late. Yeah. Um, I am, uh, Pennsylvania officials are giving update on the, on the fight against the COVID-19. Um, after some businesses in the state opened the shut, the, the, the businesses want to open, you know, and I think it's happening all over the place. I kind of chopped that, get really choppy. So it's the, do we keep social distancing to stay safe or for the sake of money? And, you know, people need to feed their families. Do we open early? We got to stay closed. Gotta, yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going to any of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw something on Facebook and it was a friend of mine. And he said, the state of Pennsylvania might open, but y'all keep your butts over there because this house is still closed. We're not taking visitors. We in Philadelphia are actually going to be in one of the last stages of lockdown being lifted to the yellow stage, which hasn't even yeah. happened yet. And yellow stage is actually still pretty restrictive. So I like that he's keeping us in the densely populated areas in the red still because we clearly. I have everything. Yeah. shipped. I'm not, I, you know, I don't go to any normal stores anymore. Okay. A lot of people in my neighborhood are just walking around without masks or anything and they're getting really uncomfortably close to other people. And it's... I went to a 17, on a 17 mile bike ride last weekend on a closed road and, you know, biking is really dangerous doing that without a mask because you were exhaling so much more at such a forceful velocity. And there were just like tons of joggers and people and bikes just not wearing masks, just like hacking into the stratus. It was... Wow. So irritating. We're um, doing bad for this news, really, or not. Yeah. <laughs> National Guard is going to be sent out to nursing homes. 120 National Guard members are going into... Good. Thing in Long Good. Good. They need it. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they're, they're overrun with COVID. And, uh, you know, let's face it, they're also the most vulnerable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, breaking news. This is from um, State Rep. Jordan Harris out of South Philadelphia. The Pennsylvania Department of Labor and Industry for the Pandemic Unemployment System Program. This is for gig workers, independent contractors, barbers, hairstylers that finally opened up today. So if you've not applied, you can go on there and apply. And it's the PUA, PUA, Pennsylvania Unemployment Assistance. And it's for gig workers. Um, Kentucky restaurants can reopen dining rooms on May the 22nd. Theaters and gyms on June the 1st. No, gyms are the <laughs> worst. bad idea. I know. Well, we know on if, if, if Sandy goes to Kentucky, we know he's going to be in that dining room. May 22nd. <laughs> yeah, gyms are uh, the worst. You're sweating. Yeah, you're sweating. You're breathing heavy. It's uh, to me, that's like improving the gene pool by slowly taking themselves out of it. Germs oh everywhere. Everyone's touching everything. Exactly. I mean, it's in sweat. It's everywhere. 
Yeah, we have a great opportunity here to change the way we think about life. Um, it was forced upon us, so to speak. But now that we've slowed things down, why speed them back up to the way they were? Why create the same situation as we had before? I'm not going to do it. I've actively decided I'm not going to participate in those businesses anymore. Cooking at home is a fraction of the cost of going out. Yes, there's great, uh, great reasons to go to restaurants. I love restaurants, but cooking at home, I can, I've been learning how to cook for the past two months. I mean, that's something that I hadn't really done a lot of. So I'm going to continue to learn how to cook and prepare meals. And Victoria is an excellent chef. And so I'm just, you know, together we, we can just continue to gain weight, <laughs> which is a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the earth is definitely grateful for the decrease in traffic. I, like, oh, you definitely. Know. The, there, are some, there are some things that hopefully won't return to the way they were before. You know, like traffic on the highways. Um, you know, and things like that. You know? Well, yeah, and, and that, I mean, I agree with that, but in the future, I mean, one of, when I, when I came out and I transitioned, there was a diner right up the street from me that I had been going to for 40 years, and everybody in there treats me wonderful, and it's, it's like going home. They're really kind people, and I, I, I posted on the owner's Facebook page, you know, posted on the owners. You posted on the owners' Facebook page for yeah. the diner. At times like this, I really miss going to the diner and just sit. I'll just. I would sometimes drive from Philadelphia over there just to go have coffee and a dessert because they're just nice people, you know, and they're very kind and they treat me well. And and it's it's like they're like family to me. They really are. And some of them become really really close friends who will be invited to our wedding. Um, being social is important. I mean, right here at the marina now, the season's opened up. The, the governor released the moratorium on marinas, so now marinas can be active. So the seasonal boaters are starting to come in. So now I'm, I'm talking to people, but I'm not getting down and shaking up hands now. I'm standing up on my deck saying, hi, how you doing? You know, because I'm 61 and I'm health compromised. So yeah. you know, being a diabetic, I'm, I'm more, you know. I'm compromised to it. So. That makes yeah. two of us. I um I over here. My uh, you know, before before we broke up, my I, what was a very close relationship with my boyfriend who lived ten blocks from my house turned into basically a long distance relationship when lock when the lockdown started, because wow. because you know I I couldn't endanger my elderly relatives who you know we still have to remain in contact with so um yeah it's rough yeah wow. we'll get through it so we have two more quick things one is PennDOT has extended deadlines to june 30th that's if you need your driver's license your inspection service calls all that stuff can be done online and the last thing and i know griffin wanted to talk about this and we'll be very quick is that class action suits are being filed against a number of 26 colleges, including Drexel University and the University of Pennsylvania, because they're saying that their online classes have been poor substitutes for um, in-class from learning. They feel it's, you know, it's a bit diminished and they want some refunds. Well, wow. yeah. Deanna would really know about that since she's had to change her core curriculum really well i can see i can see where there's some of the concerns some of the concerns i've worked in the internet uh, and communications industry for the most of my life i also worked in a hospital for 11 years in the it department but uh one of the biggest problems with remote access to classrooms is rural access to internet 
And with if you don't have a good internet service provider, and believe it or not, in Virginia there are some places that you can't even get dial-up. And there are people wow. in Virginia that wow. actually use dial-up, and dial-up <laughs> just doesn't work. So access to the schools has changed because of that. And when you require the students to go home or stay home, they may not have access. They may not even have the computers they need to access the technology to, to do the coursework. And so we've seen that at our college, and we've actually made accommodations by – publishing first we published list of uh, openly public available access points so the student could actually drive to a location that was socially distanced but also provides an adequate bandwidth and the other thing we did was we we make available our content via mail postal mail so if if the student can't get internet service we can mail them their stuff mail them their wow. Their, mail them their requirement, their their course description, whatever it is they need for the course, and they mail us back their homework. That's or, crazy. I've never heard of anything like that. That's, that's right. That's, right. that's yes. wild. But you have to you have to do that. You have to do that. You have to address all those concerns. So I can understand why there would be lawsuits. I don't, I don't know that they will actually pass because I think it was – I mean the circumstances were forced on the colleges as well. They didn't make that decision to to change classes from on campus to online. Uh, yeah, I they, will. They didn't make it lightly. They just I didn't, think they the, Yeah, I think the I think the concern is that a lot of a lot of teachers are very, very, very bad at doing online online classes. And so right. having having tuition be at the same rate when you're getting an extremely lackluster education, I think is the main, you know I think I think people should be able to rightfully demand refunds if their teacher is garbage at teaching online. But that's yeah. that's me personally. Right, but you know, as a scientist, I'd say, well, where's the evidence of that? Is there any evidence? And if there isn't, then this, the, the claim is, you know, it may be, sub it's subjective, of course, uh, but whether or not it's subjective is wholly, wholly different without any evidence to support that. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a bunch of professors, <laughs> and and some of them are great at teaching in the classroom. Some of them are crap in the classroom. Some of them use teachers' assistants rather than do it themselves, and so you don't even know if they can teach or not. And so that, but you still pay the the in classroom price, whether they're any good or not. So I don't know that that's a you know a really valid argument. Although you know, if there's an evidence-based argument that that works, hey. And then, then, they, then they should probably get a refund, right? I mean, uh, you, you should get the refund. You should get the, the education and the quality of education education that you paid for. But that's you know also subjective because, you know, I, I'm a fairly new professor. I'm sure I'm not doing everything as best it can be done. Am I doing all the best practices? I don't know. And so, you know, I'm sure from some people's point of view, I'm not a good professor. And from some others, I might be. For example, I don't give exams, so that, that automatically gives me a plus, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. She doesn't do exams, but I do projects, you know, because I expect people to show me their work, not right, take right. memorization. Right. Certainly okay. sound like a good teacher to me. Yeah. And we <laughs> wanted to just mention here, here to all of the 2020 graduates, whether it's from middle school, high school, bachelor's, master's, doctoral degrees, um, here, here to all the graduates and um, our own Griffin went from, he was part of that transition at community college to go from okay. online class to go from ground school to online. But that is way over the time that we have. Yep. We're going to definitely have to get you, can I say gals? Ladies, gals. There you go. Can we get oh, you gals? I, got, I spent some time in Texas, so sometimes, you know, I get the, the Yahoo and the, the gals. <laughs> Thing, but that is our time tonight, and we're going to have our um, um, right. so thank you guys. That's been our show tonight, and we will 
see you on Facebook. Thank you. You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM WGGTLP Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. We have been cue the mic. Good night. Having you guys. Thank you so much. This is a great show. Thank you. Bye bye. (laughs)